Harry Potter is dead! <laughs> and now is the time to declare yourself. Come forward and join us. Or die. Well, I must say I'd hoped for better. <laughs> And who might you be, young man? Neville Longbottom. <laughs> well, Neville, I'm sure we can find a place for you in our ranks. I'd like to say something. Well, Neville, I'm sure we'd all be fascinated to hear what you have to say. Greetings and welcome back to Anti-Monitor. This is the premiere of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is around the corner and has got us expectoed our Patronus. So it was high time that we going to take a trip back to Hogwarts. But before we discuss Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, there's a lot of words, we're going to recap what came before in this all Harry Potter episode. So grip on your wand and hang on to your Patringas. We're going to Quidditch. Oh my gosh, does that suck? <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. You're listening to Anti-Monitor from DoomRocket.com. I knew it, I'm surrounded by assholes. I'm not even going to dignify myself with a response to that. That's right, we are back with Anti-Monitor time again. My name's Matt, Birdman Fleming, and across the table for me, as always, is Jared Jones. Editor-in-chief of DoomRocket.com and amateur magician. Why am I always an amateur? Well, because you, to be a professional, you have to get paid. Oh, yeah. So until someone starts giving you five bucks to do a magic trick. Give me the loot. Gotta have the loot. That's right. You gotta have, you know, a deck of cards and like a, I don't know, some string or something to make things float. Yeah. But what? And to be a magician. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about magicians. Oh, I thought we were talking about math magicians. <laughs> uh, more technically, we're talking about wizards. Oh. Because uh, after we thought we were done forever with the Harry Potter series, they're pulling us back in this week. I know. I just saw Doctor Strange, and I was like, that was a weird sequel. <laughs> of course, we're talking about the movie based on the book, based on a book from the movie, mm -hmm. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That's yeah. Bringing us back into the world of wizardry, so... That's right. We got a, a review coming your way, uh, courtesy of Mr. Kyle King. I'm not totally pumped about Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. One, that title is far too long. Two, that is... It, it shows that we are officially scraping the bottom of the barrel so Warner Brothers can just get some cash to justify existing for another three years. That's true. They've been doing a really bad job of, of yeah. justifying their existence, so... So but, it's time for them to make a movie about a magic book from another movie. Yeah, but it, like instead of like making an awesome movie about the Necronomicon, or like, or, or at least giving us a, a remake of Army of Darkness, or literally anything else, we're just doing Harry Potter's world again. So, you're the guy with the case full of monsters, huh? 
Use travels first. This time it's a prequel of sorts. It takes place in a uh, a what, like a an Americanized version of Hogwarts, except instead of like young children awe and wonder, we have grown ass people bitching about politics. That's all I've gleaned from those trailers. Yeah, it doesn't really get me going. This Fantastic Beast book movie. Yeah, but that, it's J.K. Rowling's first screenplay, so that's something. That's great. Yeah, but of course. I was kind of a late to the Harry Potter party. Were you? Yeah. I still remember when, uh, before the movies were really kicking through, mm-hmm. uh, or right when they started, I remember our good friend Ethan reading the Harry Potter book, and I was like, what are you doing reading a little baby book? And he's no. like, shut up, dude. These books rule. Yeah. And it turns out, years later, I find out that... He wasn't only- on the spectrum. He might have been on to something. That's true. <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? A wizard. And a thumping good and I'd wager. Not only are the books uh, pretty on point, but the movie series as a whole, with low points. Like like this movie we're going to be talking about today? Well, I don't know. What What's your history with the land of Harry Potter and Hogwarts and wizards? and? Well, okay, so the first film, Sorcerer's Stone, 15 years ago, so like 2001, right? Mm-hmm. Graduating high school, or I should have. Well, saw the movie in the theater. It was directed by Christopher Columbus, and it felt like it. Uh, even then, at a young age, I, I could smell a Christopher Columbus movie coming a mile away. Are the rumors true? Help us. I'm afraid so, Professor. The good and the bad. The first Harry Potter feels a lot like uh, Christmas. The Christopher Columbus Christmas Train movie. Mm-hmm. Remember it, that one? It really does. It does. Uh, you, you're talking about the Robert Zemeckis Christmas Oh, is that Bob Zemeckis? Yeah. Well, Polar, Polar Express. It, Bob Zemeckis and Chris Columbus kind of mm-hmm. occupy the same space in my head. Sure. I, I don't blame you for that. But watching that first movie, I thought it was boring, And but the ending gripped me. I was like, who's this weird head, double head dude? And I wanted to find out more. So I, my girlfriend at the time was reading... Uh, the Harry Potter series, and she was like, these are so good, you have to read this. And I was like, all right. And she gave me Sorcerer's Stone, and I did read it. And I'm a sucker for world building. I'm a sucker for, like, you know, huge, expansive lore. So I I bought in. I read the second book, Chamber of Secrets, which was equally as boring because those Harry Potter movies I came to discover, it wasn't just bad movie making. It was a template that they were paying homage to. And each Harry Potter movie up to a certain point in the series fit into that template. Kids hate their parents. Kids go to school. Kids hate school. Creeps work at that school. And then the kids work, you know, fight the creeps. And then that's your movie. Oh, well, listen, Harry. If that dolt of a cousin of yours, Dudley, gives you any grief, you could always um, threaten him with a nice pair of ears to go with that tail of his. But, Hagrid, we're not allowed to do magic away from Hogwarts. You know that. I do. Your cousin don't, do he? So that was my experience. A very tepid thing indeed. But then Prisoner of Azkaban rolled around, and that kind of punched me in the nuts. And I said, whoa, this could really be something. It was directed by Alfonso Cuaron, and I was like, how did the, how did, how did they get him? Like, how in the hell did Warner Brothers convince the director of, uh... Itu Mama Tambien? Amongst many other things, uh, to direct... A friggin' kids' movie about you know magic wands and believing in your you know, owl, 
but he did it and it was spooky and it was creepy and like we got our first sight of the you know the dementors which was awesome the opening sequence of that movie was awesome so after that i was locked in i tried to read the book though and that's when the books lost me well well serious looking rather ragged aren't we finally the flesh reflects the madness well, you'd know all about the madness within, wouldn't you, Remus? I dropped out on that, didn't read another one for the rest of my life. I treated, treated it like high school. Pretty much. And I, uh, but I did stick with the movies, and the movies did get better. Mm-hmm. They didn't get as good as Azkaban, because how could they? But um, after Goblet of Fire, when they killed uh, Robert Pattinson, that, I, I could watch that a, a couple thousand times. David Yates rolled in and closed out our our series, and I and I followed through. I wanted to know the end of the story. I legitimately did. Did, did David Yates do Order of Phoenix mm-hmm. and the he did Order of the Phoenix, uh, Half Blood Prince, and Deathly Hallows parts one and two? And now he's doing Fantastic Beasts because the dude loves to get paid and is clearly base level competent at creating. The proper tone, yeah. if not quite the as... The tone. The pepitone. Yeah. If not quite as adept and masterful as Quaron was with Prisoner of Azkaban. Expecto Patronum! So, let's catch everyone up to speed. Hmm. We're talking. We watched the extremely long, <laughs> and uh, it matches its title, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Oh, I felt hallowed out by the end of that one that's true seeing it in the theaters i i I got caught up in it got a little geeky and it was just 3d it was 3d a lot of fan service which i guess we'll talk about a little later because the uh, warner brothers likes their cash they decided to split deathly hallows one book into two films they did this shit again with the hobbit because they're fucking bastards and it may have made them a mint but man, does it really screw up the story. Because there are a lot of things that occur in part one of Deathly Hollows that you really need to know in order for uh, part two to make any damn sense. And you really need to know what's going on in the Half-Blood Blood Prince. And then there's other things you need to pick up on uh, going backwards and backwards. So I guess for the sake of our, our listeners, uh, we're going to get a half-assed recap of the Deathly Hollows part one just to put us in an oriented space, a headspace. That works for me because yeah. uh, this is the second time I've seen Deathly Hallows Part 2 and I've never seen Deathly Hallows Part 1. Oh, it's such a snooze. It is such a snooze. Like, you're, you're like, how do they make two movies out of this? Oh, you find out. <laughs> you find out. It's a lot of dead air. It's a lot of quiet. It's a lot of... There's a whole dancing sequence. It's like three minutes, this sequence, where Harry's standing there, Hermione walks in, they look at each other sad, and then they just start dancing, and then they keep dancing, and we watch the whole dance happen and then it ends and then they stop touching each other and walk out of the room and then i think the camera stays in there for another 20 minutes and you see a rat scurry by and that's the scene at least that's how it felt but to get through the recap of part one it pretty much goes down something like this voldemort's getting power we know this we've known this since he took his shape back in the goblet of fire um we know that he means business he's looking for those horcruxes because he needs them to be all powerful only thing is he's really bad about these things and horcruxes are fucking everywhere they're like pokemon you got to catch them all or, or you're screwed yeah and so harry hermione and ron know this because instead of doing their studies and being good students they decided that uh they were going to instead embroil themselves in some sort of uh adult intrigue that has nothing to do with them I mean, it, it does. It has everything, it has everything to, do, everything with to do with them. But they should be they should be cracking open those books. What's the point of studying if your school is 
imminently going to be invaded by a uh, giant snake ghost. You know what I want to know? I want to know what kind of school would be open in the first damn place, actively enrolling students into it when they knew that a Dark Lord of the Sith, I mean the snake, was going to come by and kill them all. That's what I want to know. Because everyone knows, in the face of terror, you have to forge ahead. Forge ahead. As, that's especially the British way. You know, keep oh. calm and study magic. Keep calm and let the snake bite you on the neck until you die. Unless you have three <laughs> intrepid <laughs> students who are willing to drop out of wizard school mm -hmm. to go find a bunch of trinkets. In the Chamber of Secrets, you stab the basilisk with the sword of Gryffindor. Its blade is impregnated with basilisk venom. It only takes in that which makes it stronger. Exactly, which is why... It can destroy Horcruxes. That's why Dumbledore left it to you in his will. You are brilliant, Hermione. Truly. Actually, I'm highly logical, which allows me to look past extraneous detail and perceive clearly that which others overlook. Yeah. So what's happening now is that Voldemort's sending out all his Death Eaters and Dementors to make sure that uh, Harry and Hermione and Ron do not succeed in destroying all these Horcruxes. And in doing so, they're actively pursuing them. People die left and right. Mad-Eye Mooney, played by uh, Dumb Nut. Brendan. Yeah, Brendan Gleeson. Uh, he dies, which made me sad. Hedwig and the Angry Inch, uh, Harry's beloved owl, died, and that sucked. He died in the beginning of the movie, too. That's how you know you're in for some shit, is that the owl dies five, five seconds into the movie. And then Dobby the house elf dies at the very end. He dies at the very end, but um, who, who's that... British guy, the gaunt one, the skinny one. I know that doesn't narrow it down. He's You just named every actor that's played Doctor Who in the last ten years. These are dark times, there is no denying. Bill Nye. Bill oh. Nye dies. He's like the headmaster of uh, whatever the fuck. The Minister of Magic. But Voldemort kills him so they can, you know, pretend to continue to be him so he can get in tight with whoever. It's all kind of incidental to the second part of the movie because once he's dead, all bets are off anyway. And, and everyone, like, magic is, like, loosed and everyone's all on edge and Hogwarts is fucked because Dumbledore's dead and Snape's taken over. And he's got, he's rolling it with an iron fist or a mushy fist, it being uh, Englishman's, particularly Alan <laughs> Rickman's. But um, Harry and the Hendersons, they go and find a Horcrux, but they're not able to destroy it, so they... They have to go off into the wilderness and hang out for literally five hours. Get on with it. Yes, get on with it. So during that time, the Horcrux is emanating with power. It beguiles all three of these kids, these cute, adorable kids, who then take turns to wear it. So not no one person becomes influenced by its power and brings it back to Voldemort. Did it happen to be a ring? No, but they all pretend to be Gollum at some point. They'll hiss at each other, and I think somebody cries at one point, but it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything turns out to be okay because literally nothing fucking matters in this sequence. It's meant to uh, get stretched out as far as it can to justify a running length, and that's pretty much it. I'm sure that in the book it means something great, but who gives a shit? We're not reading a book. We're watching a movie. That's true. Anyway. Harry gets, uh, some shit goes down, uh, Harry runs off into the wilderness where he comes across a big doe Patronus, which is important to remember, um, that leads him down to a lake, and at the bottom of that lake is the Sword of Gryffindor, which is also excruciatingly important. But anyway, at the end of it, uh, Ron, Hermione, and Harry, they're on the run yet again, but, uh, Voldemort has now achieved, I guess, power-up number 25, he gets the Elder Wand, so, uh-oh. And that's pretty much the entire runtime of the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Yeah, that sounds pretty boring. Now, if you had condensed that down to, like, maybe 
45 minutes of a movie, like really trim the fat, hack this fucker to the bone, only put in the essential like uh, points, and then crammed in the rest of uh, part two and made it one movie, it would have been compelling in some way, but it really does lose its momentum, regardless of the fact that it's a part two. It's true. Um, part twos only work if it's like a movie that is in itself a sequel, where the first one had a beginning, a middle, and an end. If you leave us on a cliffhanger and then drop us off for six months and expect us to pick back up, unless you're devoted to the books, of which I was not, nor were you, no, you're just like, oh, yeah, here's Jim Broadbent. Why isn't he talking? Oh, there's other British lady. Why isn't why isn't she talking? And why are all these famous Shakespearean actors in this movie and not saying a fucking word? It's they're just name checking uh, Easter eggs for mm -hmm. all the fans. And like, see, see, we got everyone back. I was I was really bummed out that David Thewlis had such a small part in the part two. Well, and overall in the series, he's got a, a relatively substantive role. Yeah. And uh Having him in the movie, he's a werewolf. We're all werewolves in our own way, Bird. Oh, but not wizardry magic werewolves. Oh. Which David Thewlis' character, Lupin, was. I was thinking of that song, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. Oh, God, please, uh, shoot me in the head with a gun <laughs> to get that song out of my head now. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for doing that. Well, I guess we should get right into it then and just start uh, hacking away at Deathly Hallows Part 2. He knows. You know who? He knows we broke into Gringotts. He knows what we took. And he knows we're hunting Horcruxes. So now, first of all, having gone into this movie in the theaters, not watching the boring first part that you just told me about, mm. uh, I had no idea what a Deathly Hallow was. You thought it, it was a place, didn't you? I thought it was like a place I did where too. stuff was scary. Mm -hmm. But no, for the uninitiated, Deathly Hallows are three magical items of the highest magic and what are those bert you have the elder wand oh the most powerful wand ever created the person who yields that wand is going to be king shit of dick mountain now here's the thing that really bugs me because wands are a really prickly thing in the harry potter universe like they choose they choose you like you know it's not like ash choosing pikachu pikachu chooses ash in this stupid analogy um, so having the Elder Wand just be possessed by people, it, it, that always kind of puzzled me. And I'm sure somebody who's really into the lore is like screaming at us right now, it's because of this, you stupid dummies. But if it's not clear in the movies, I don't care. I'm not going to read 3,000 pages just to find out why wands work. That's true. Yeah. They kind of uh, gloss over wand law mm -hmm. in this. And I was just like, what? Uh, wand law? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, old ass. John Hurt. John Hurt, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what were the other two, Bert? Number two is the Resurrection Stone, which is obvious. You stick it up your butt and you Live are alive again. Yeah. And then there's the Cloak of Invisibility. And so all these items, the Deathly Hallows, were originally created for these wizards to avoid and escape and evade death. Yeah. Uh, and because they were too powerful, they got scattered around and it's now it's up to Harry to take six hours to find all three of them. To he's, Jeronis the Patronus. Exactly, yeah. I mean, he starts out, he's got the cloak already, mm -hmm. so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Somehow, he ends up getting the stone smuggled to him in that little uh, Quidditch bo uh, ball. Yeah, I, I thought that was like a nice, lovely chocolate. No, it was a, a rock that you stick up your butt to yeah, be resurrected. Yeah. Uh, and of course, then Voldemort's got the wand, and there are 
wand politics of mm-hmm. like you have to disarm or kill this person and, and then, then you get the wand. Your, oh, I, yeah, that's right. That's what you have to do. So there's all these <sighs> wand politics that Good somehow God. Voldemort can't use the wand, but even though he's the world's greatest scary snake man just keep thinking about a fish called wanda right now (laughs) but let's get into the the meat and potatoes of this thing as it were are you ready for this let's do it so when uh deathly Hallows part two kicks up snape has now asserted total rule over hogwarts dementors hover around its perimeter death eaters are just hanging out showing each other their tattoos doing their thing you know meanwhile all the kids are fucking terrified but i guess they don't care I guess the other parents who sent their kids to Hogwarts don't care. Nobody cares. So the, the story picks up with Harry uh, fixing to destroy a hidden Horcrux. He doesn't know where it is exactly. He doesn't know what it is exactly. He just knows it exists. And jo- uh, John Hurt, the war doctor, pops up because every English actor has to be in the Harry Potter movies. It was, a, I guess, a, a law they passed in Parliament. I think it was just a matter of, like... You know, uh, they wanted to have authentic British actors instead of fakey Americans who don't uh, pull off accents very well. That's true. But John Hurt, you know, come on. Yeah, he rules. Give him a bone. But he's just in there to tell us about the Deathly Hallows, and then he goes away. We never see him again. And then we end up getting to hang out with Warwick Davis, who looks awesome as like this really devious troll. Uh, Trollwick Davis, <laughs> Harry and Hermione and Ron all have a conversation together, and he's like, I want that Gryffindor soul. I'll help you find the whatevers. And he, Harry's like, yeah, fine. It's fine. I don't understand the true awesomeness of the Gryffindor sword because I'm a big dummy that looks into everything. You want to talk about Mary Sue's. Harry Potter is the king of Mary Sue's, but... So anyway, Hermione d- decides to dress herself up as uh, Belladonna X... Bellatrix Lestrange. Yeah, uh, Tim Burton's ex-wife. And all all of them sneak into the giant troll bank. Yeah, the, the troll bank. Yeah, which I guess has the Temple of Doom theme park ride in the basement. It's actually called a troller coaster. Oh, a troller coaster. Which uh, at the end of it has a giant albino dragon because reasons. You because gotta protect the treasure. You, well, not just that, but like, you know, this uh, troll bank is also where magic folks store their uh, important goodies. They're Petringus. And so then what happens is, say you're a magician. You're a wizard, right? Uh, Sure. Uh, You got your wand, right? You got your hat. You got Mm -hmm. your broom. And one day, you find a dragon. Like a tiny, little, innocent, sweet, fire-breathing dragon. Yeah. And because you're a devious fuck, you're like, I'm about to put... This dragon in my troll bank. Oh man! You chain him up, and he's just down there being a sad dragon. You think a wizard did that to that dragon? I think a, those trolls did it to that dragon. They're assholes. Wizards are benevolent people, unless they're working for Voldemort. Yeah, exactly. All right, so wizard troll then? No, I think it was just a regular bad wizard. Probably oh. was. Fine. I mean, let us know if there's an answer in the books as to why the there is a fucking dragon in this troll bank. Well, I'm thinking. Banking on it being an actual troll put that dragon in there because they've been training him to hate this one sound his entire life. So like every time they wiggle this like uh, I don't know bop it, it's uh, a, it's a, like a maraca. Yeah, it's a maraca, and the dragon's like, oh my my freaking ears. And, oh, I'm not gonna blow fire on you now. Yeah, I'll just go over here instead of incinerating you immediately because I'm in pain. But whatever, magic. I don't care. Magic dragon dragon law. 
So uh, Trollwick Davis betrays Harry for the sword. Uh, Harry ends up finding the little gold, cup, goblet. Little cup goblet thing. He oh. betrays Harry and then ends up getting incinerated for his troubles. But then that dragon literally breaks the bank. That's true. This is after uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione nearly drown in a uh, in the pottery barn, basically. Yeah. Just never-ending plates and cups just hopping keep- up. Yep. And Why were they multiplying? Because they were touched? Because you touch them, they multiply. And that this deters thieves how? Uh, decreases the value of the item. Is, this is, this is, is, that, is literally... Is that the reason know, or is that just pure economics? That's there, pure economics. That's me <laughs> me applying real-world economic theory oh, and like uh, inflation <laughs> to a movie about trolls and wizards and... Uh, magic. Well, I guess it is established that the trolls are very economically savvy, so I, I wouldn't put it against them, actually. Yeah, you're onto something there. So, yeah, uh, Harry and Voldemort uh, uh, have a moment while Harry's trying not to drown, and I guess Voldemort goes on a fucking bank guard kill spree because they failed to stop Harry from stealing the Horcrux. Well, basically what's happening is because of the uh, intrinsic link between Harry Potter and Voldemort, every time that something important happens... Uh, Instead of Voldemort being there already, because Harry's got some good magic going, yeah. he gets there just, just a little too late. late. Yeah, and So he's Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive, pretty much. Basically. Yeah. Uh, except with much more intent to kill. Right. Well, I guess, I, I, I call it the Vader-Luke moment, where <laughs> like, uh, it, like at the end of Empire, and Luke's like, father, because he knows that Vader's using the Force to look for him. I think they have a similar connection, Harry and Voldemort. We find out later that that's not the case, but before we know for sure, that was just what was in my heart. I was thinking, oh, uh, J.K. Rowling really loves Star Wars. But because of this connection, I guess, uh, Harry finds out that the Horcrux in question, which is not the giant fucking snake, because we'll save that one for last, because drama, uh, they have to find it at its ultimate location, which just so happens to be, you're never going to guess where it is, Bert. Hogwarts. You sons of bitches are going to Hogwarts. I saw the castle and Rowena Ravenclaw. It must have something to do with her. We have to go there now. What? We can't do that. We've got to plan. We've got to figure it out. Hermione, when have any of our plans ever actually worked? We plan, we get there, all hell breaks loose. Yep, they gotta go back in. And just in that moment, Trollwick Davis, who I thought was burnt alive by the dragon, his corpse is laying there. He's totally fine. No, he got away, but then Voldemort murdered him. Yeah. And didn't take the sword. Well, I saw that dragon kill somebody. The, the dragon incinerated the... Uh, bank president? The, the bank president troll, the oh. one who kept getting angry, and then they would throw the... Some high in his face? They'd throw the your high <laughs> spell on <laughs> him, and he's just like, oh, I'm tripping, motherfucker. Yeah. Well, he, uh, I guess that Voldemort didn't have the foresight to take the sword of Gryffindor with him, even though... Fucking Tom Riddle went to Hogwarts, understands that sword's got some significance, sees it lying there on the ground, it just disappears. He doesn't care. Who cares? Because who cares? Because drama. Like, we'll need that to happen and pay off later. That has to come back later. Ah, the story structure of this thing sucks. But anyway, um, we we end up uh, having our three happy kids, Ari, Hermione, Rome, Rome. Uh, run into uh, Mance Raider. Yep. Who, who looks exactly like Albert Finney to the point where I swear it was Albert Finney, my, but it's not Albert Finney. But no, the character is, in fact, Dumbledore 2. Dumbledore 2, the sequel. Yeah. The better-looking Dumbledore, as Al- it turns out. Alberto Dumbledore. <laughs> Alberto, Alberto Dumbledore. We've been hunting Horcruxes. 
and we think the last one's inside the castle, but we'll need your help getting in. Not a job my brother's given you. It's a suicide mission. Do yourself a favor, boy. Go home. Live a little longer. Well, he... This is the moment in the movies, and I've heard people who read the books who get kind of irritated by it, because the conversation that he has with Harry pretty much sums up a conversation that Harry actually has earlier in Deathly Hallows Part 1 with other people about how shitty Dumbledore was with his friends and loved ones and how uh, economical he was with the truth. Harry finds out these things from his brother, who is very intimidating, very tall and very angry and also possibly drunk. I couldn't oh, probably. Yeah, I think he gave them beer he, I th when he was just about, before he laid into Harry. I think he gave him cheese and beer. Yeah, like here you're. You guys are murdering people now. I guess you're old enough to have beer. No, I mean you know, for all intents and purposes, it's about to be the end of the wizardry world as we know it. Yeah. What, let's segue for a minute. Sure. Here. It, if that's the end, if Voldemort succeeds and uh, tears the goodness and the and the wizard wizardry world asunder then then what does he go to the muggles world is that next yeah then he goes to the muggles world and takes that over and incinerates it and turns it into his own playland because i suppose voldemort's never heard of the nuclear option uh i think he's got his own nu nuclear option which is called fucking magic <laughs> I see. Okay. well we find out about all this huxley being an asshole and and harry's all sad which means it's time for somebody else to take charge for a moment. And of all people to pop out of a wall, here comes Neville Longbottom, who I guess has morphed into a uh, rebel resistance fighter. He's like, here, come through this tunnel. They were you know, boarded up, but we found a way through and we've assembled a, a, a mild resistance against Snape. And we got a hidey hole, except all of this dialogue is being given by Neville Longbottom. Who yeah. sounds like Paul McCartney a little bit. I, I, did that work? Now, you know, he, he's got a little bit more of a Scottish thing to him. Is that right? Yeah. Well, what's he sound like? How, how do you make him sound? Oh, I'm never long Bolton. I just remember what he said in the first movie when, it, like, uh, he forgets something. He goes, but the problem is, I can't remember what I've forgotten. <laughs> the only problem is, I can't remember what I've forgotten. You know, I love that. I love that Neville Longbottom. Neville Longbottom <laughs> went from being the biggest dork in all of Hogwarts to being like a s serious hero. Yeah, was he Hog? Uh, was he Gryffindor? I don't know what house he was in. Well, what house would you be in? Well, I don't know. I've never, uh, I've never really taken the test to see what house I would be in in Hogwarts. Oh, you have. You haven't taken the. You don't know which house you belong. to? I have no idea. There's an actual test online that. It, has like legitimate questions about your personality and such, but fuck that. We're gonna take the BuzzFeed quiz. Oh yeah, you've never taken it. Nope, I well, haven't. We're gonna take it. I'm gonna ask you some questions. You're gonna give me some answers. We're gonna find out which house, once and for all, Bertie belongs to in about the time. Ho uh, Hogwarts house. I want to know what kind of wizard I am. Oh, I'm sure everyone's dying to find out. When I call your name, you will come forth. I shall place the sorting hat on your head. And you will be sorted into your houses. All right, Bert, you ready? Go. All right, I want you to pick a candy. What would you prefer to snack on? Chocolate frogs? Bertie Bot's Every Flavor Beans? Honey Duke's Sherbet Lemons? Or a Fizzy Wizzy? Oh, uh, I guess I'm going to go with the chocolate frog. Chocolate frog. All right, Bert, I need you to pick a pet. Okay. Would your pet be a lizard? A dog? 
a cat, or a fucking ferret? Uh, I would, I'm going to go with dog. Dog? Is that your final answer? That's final answer, dog. All right, I need you to pick a class. I'm not talking about, like, uh, you know. Like social structure? And, yeah, nothing like that. An actual class you would take at Hogwarts. Okay. Okay. Uh, would you take a charms class, potions class, a history of magic class, or a transfiguration class? Oh, I think it is quite obvious. I would choose history of magic. Hmm. And why is that? Uh, because I love history and because magic's not real, so. <laughs> so you're going to learn about fake history. Yeah, just like I watch fake sports. Um, if your friend cheated on a test, you would offer to help them study for the next one? Offer to let them cheat off your test next time? Tell them that you're going to tell on them because that's not fair? Or are you going to ignore it? Well, first of all, let's get this out of the way. I'm obviously not going to tell on them because I'm not a snitch. Oh, I see. I uh, don't snitch. Snitches get stitches because mm. snitches are bitches. <laughs> okay. Uh, I would go with the option to offer to help them next time. Offer to help them study or cheat? Study, not cheat. Okay. Well, all right. I did that once in middle school. I, uh, a bully tried to get me to help him cheat, and I, instead I tricked him into learning. Oh, I see. You know, this pretty much puts you on a uh, path towards not Slytherin at this point. Not Slytherin? Not Slytherin. I mean, this is a BuzzFeed quiz. It's, I, I pretty much figured this fucking thing out. Yeah. This is an M. Night Shyamalan movie it's... given quiz form. But, <laughs> all right, I need you to pick a color because that's not too obvious. Are you going to pick pink, purple, white, or orange? I'm going to go with purple. Purple. Purple glurple. Purple nurple. If you could only do one thing for the rest of your life, you would explore the world, start your own company, stay in school forever. You can never learn too much, right? That's true. It, it says it right here. It actually says it. Of course it. it does. People get paid to write these. And, or, uh, finally, start a family ASAP. Uh, my choice would be to travel, explore the world. Explore the, the Dringus. I would explore the whole world with my magic, and I would fly on my on my magic broom, mm -hmm. and I would read my history book of magic, and I would be a great wizard. I need you to pick a redhead. What? Pick a redhead. Arthur, Fred, Ron, or Ginny, or Guinea. It's, it's Ginny. Ginny. Uh, well, I don't really know the difference between Arthur and Fred, <laughs> and uh, Ron Weasley is a little too Weasley. I'm going to go with Ginny. She seems nice. How long is this damn thing? If you were going on vacation, you would go to London, the wilderness, home to my family, or the beach. The beach. <laughs> go to the beach. But thankfully, my family lives right near the beach. All right. Your Petrangus would be a panther, a fox... A hedgehog or a damn cat? Jeez, what a terrible choices those are. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to go with a hedgehog. That's kind of a deep cut. Okay. I can see a hedgehog coming from you, actually. Yeah, the spiky, you know, roly-poly. Yeah, rolling, pulling. That's me. All right. A chaser on your Quidditch team drops the quaffle, and there's no way he'll they will ever be able to recover it. You get frustrated and yell at them. Because how dare he drop the quaffle? You let it go because you win some and you lose some. 
you get really passive aggressive about it after the game, or you try to fight the referee. No, I just let it go because, again, fake sports. On a Saturday night, where can you be found, Bert? At the movies or a concert, staying in with friends, bar hopping, or sleeping. Well, Saturday night, doing well, it right. Well, since there's no option for uh, staying up all night, getting other people drunk, uh, I'll go with uh, sleeping. Sleeping. Because that's what I would rather be doing. Sure. All right. Well, that's the final question. Ha <laughs> ha! I told you, you got Hufflepuff. Oh, man. Yeah, people flock to you because you're a great friend. You value loyalty and always think of others first. People are lucky to have you in their lives, and they know it. And you'll hang yourself in the basement. Well, my girlfriend said that I was going to be Raven's, Raven's Claw or whatever. Obviously, your girlfriend doesn't know what she's talking about. BuzzFeed uh, has spoken. God, I wish my girlfriend was as smart as BuzzFeed. Oh, man. Not. Well, let's get back to this Hallows bit. Nice All right, excursion. so the last time we left off, we're talking about uh, Neville Longjohns. Mm -hmm. He leads our triumphant trio through a, Hogwarts, a, a tunnel of paintings. And they, they've got their little resistance set up and gives everyone a moment to sort of be in like, all right, all the kids are back together. And then all of a sudden, several, several Snapes <laughs> decides that uh, he knows Harry Potter's there and he's calling him out. Calling him out. And that always goes so well. Even though Harry is in the room. He's wearing a robe. That's his disguise. Yep. He, other than that, he looks just like Harry Potter, who, by the way, just last year was wearing nothing but a robe and looking like Harry Potter. So it's not like he's hard to spot. So all the Death Eaters in this school are idiots. Snape is an idiot. He walks up. He doesn't walk all the way down, but he walks far enough that he could at least spot Harry. He wasn't embedded in deep inside the crowd. He was like at, in the aisle. He no, just steps Snape, out. Snape, Snape is clearly... He's got... Other machinations going on. Mm. So he's got a lot on his mind. Yeah. He lets it slip. No, I don't think he lets it slip. I think he is putting things... He's getting the ball into motion. He knows what needs to happen. Mm. And he knows that if he doesn't jumpstart things, then the rest of the movie's not going to happen. I see. So he calls him out. And Harry, being the brave... Bra bra brazen... Bra I don't know any other BR words. Sure. Uh, Brungle. Being... <laughs> Being the boy that he is, he decides to call Snape out for murdering Dumbledore. How dare you stand where he stood? Tell them how it happened that night. Tell them how you looked him in the eye. A man who trusted you and killed him. Tell them. And so now Maggie Smith, who picks now to get mad, not five seconds before or two minutes before. Or six months before. Or literally any time ever in her career, her tenure alongside uh, this Snape fellow who's been nothing but a dick, an abusive dick to all these students and faculty probably. He probably kicks dogs on the ground for all I know. She, gets, she chooses now to get really pissed and she throws out some wicked wand stuff because people have been waiting for Maggie Smith to get wacky with the wand and she does and it looks awesome. And Snape fucks off until his death scene. Right. Yeah, he's got to go uh, go hide out mm -hmm. and wait until he has to sacrifice himself. So once that little bit of fan service is out of the way, Voldemort pops in with his uh, ghostly narration, enters everyone's minds, sends some people screaming to the floor. Other people are just like, ow, so loud. And he threatens to destroy all of Hogwarts and everyone one by one unless they give up Harry. And uh, I guess... 
in a way to give the middle finger to him, Maggie Smith decides just to throw the entire house of Slytherin into the dungeons. Which well, is- it's because the uh, the original, like as soon as the threat was made, a kid from Slytherin was like, what are you guys doing? Go grab him. Snag him. And you know, Maggie Smith knows that that's not the option. We're not going to just so, sack for just So give. one asshole impugns the entire group. Well, it is Slytherin. My God, what mess? I see. I'm still trying to figure out what kind of message this this movie gives to people who are into it. Uh, like adults, they don't care. They'll just be like, oh, "I get to the end. I don't care. I'm binging this." But kids, they- I mean, if you're a kid and you identify with Slytherin, there's a good chance that you're going to shoot a school. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so be very you likely. Know, in the case of uh, you've got a, a group of I don't know how big each different house is, but we'll say a group of like fifty or so emo kids who identify with the darker end of being teenage wizards. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they are threatened with death or go grab the nerd. Mm-hmm. And it's like, for the sake of the nerd, let's throw these kids in prison. Because the nerd is the word. And that might make sense to some people Yeah, to just preemptively imprison a bunch of children. Trust me, I would love to do that. Anytime I see kids on the street, I'm like, throw, lock them up. Get them out of my way. Anyway, uh, so a legion's worth of Shakespearean trained actors then stare at the sky and pretend to cast a force field around Hogwarts because everyone needs to get paid. And if they're going to get paid, you might as well put them on screen. Uh, Harry talks to Diane from Train Spotting about the missing Horcrux. I guess Diane died and she's a ghost now. Yes, she's the ghost that haunts Ravensclaw yeah, Tower. She's a scary ghost. And. Uh, a whole, an entire army of Nunmore goth uh, throws blue bottle rockets at the force field. And then, this is all I wrote, then a, an army of hobos. Yeah. <laughs> Just an yeah. army of hobos. An army of hobos, that's who, right. Who the fuck are these people again? I, I guess they were in another movie somewhere at some point. I, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of them. There's a bunch of them, and they are running straight at Neville Longdong. Yeah, and Longdong, who is tasked with destroying the bridge and he can't be bothered to do that because he's too busy going what 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 well no he wouldn't what you don't destroy the bridge before the bottle rockets take out the force field he did his job he was just a little slow about it well i think neville's just in general a little slow but i think that's already been established no he's he's become the he's like the hero of the day so they give Rob and Hermione something to do. They go down to the Chamber of Secrets. Did you say Rob and Hermione? <laughs> yeah, Rob and Hermione. And they attempt to destroy the second-to-last Horcrux, uh, which is... Uh, Tira. The, the, is, I thought they were... No, it was the Goblet at this point. Oh, they're... Right? Okay, they get the Goblet, then the, the, the they get j- drenched. Yeah, they get drenched because the Chamber of Secrets is like, Hey, Tom Riddle used to pee down here, and I don't like what you're doing to mm-hmm. this thing. And so they... Kind of drown almost, and then I guess in the heat of the moment they embrace because fan service, and Voldemort didn't like any of that, so he decides to get real busy with the Elder Wand and just blow up the entire force field. Yeah, basically. Literally, why could he not have done that in the first place? He's got the Elder Wand. He's trying to draw the Harry movie Potter out. out. Oh, I see. Yeah, oh, that's okay. it. I see. Well, then after that, the Siege of Hogwarts is officially underway and it's bananas and rob says bloody oh a lot and uh her Hermione says brilliant a couple of times i'm pretty sure and yeah i love that you that you screwed up the the regular like dude name <laughs> but you get but you you got no problem with a name that i'm pretty sure 
is not real. <laughs> Hermione? Hermione. That's probably is, not That's real. something that old British people called people, and it's dumb. Maybe it was just an extended version of Heine. Or maybe it's supposed to be Italian. Hermione. Hermione. Uh, uh, but yeah, this battle, right? Yeah. Maggie Smith casts the spell that brings all the brick-and-mortar centurion-looking dudes. Yeah, who uh, I guess have been there the entire time. I just never noticed. Uh, yeah, and then just she's you know brings them to life to protect everybody, and they have to fight giants. That comes later. Um, what they do is they set up a perimeter on the uh, the causeway that leads up to the front gates of Hogwarts, while the force field remains true. Uh, it's still quickly eroding away. But they cut over to um, Harry and Hermione and Ronnie. Uh, and they're all in, like, the Antiques Roadshow, I guess, and they're going through all these antiques looking for this Horcrux. They find it. Draco Malfoy shows up, who looks like he's been through some shit, like he was supposed to go kill Dumbledore, and then Alan Rickman was like, nah, I don't think so, are you? And so I guess now he's like, I'm officially useless now. I have no purpose in this movie whatsoever. Oh, well, fuck me. And they get into a kind of fight, which amounts to a giant fireball getting launched because movie, and then everything burns to the ground. And they have, like, a big Nimbus 2000 broom race for a second. He saves Draco, so they're buddies in the future. I don't know. Well, no, he just saves him because he's not a piece of shit. He knows that Draco Malfoy has some good in him somewhere, which, you know, he just has to grow out of being, you know. A raised, well, he's raised by abusive parents. Were they abusive or were they just rich? Uh, well, they were Malfoys, so they were at least inherently evil. Sure. Although they're not, we'll touch on that in a minute. But uh, the the Horcrux <laughs> yep. uh, gets destroyed. Yep. The crown gets blown up. Yeah, and so uh, Voldemort is weakened devastatingly. Not so enough that he needs to recoil. Yeah, like uh, pull everyone back. And, well, because uh, he realizes that the, the wand isn't working as well as mm -hmm. it's supposed to. Well, because his hor his his hor Dengus is dead. Well, all of his so yeah, all of his trinkets are getting destroyed. Mm -hmm. But the wand still doesn't want to be his friend, and so he figures that in order to get the wand to work for him, he's got to kill Snape. Yeah, and that leads us to an actually pretty okay sequence here. This is where a lot of payoff occurs, a lot of questions get answered. You're talking about the time that uh, Harry Potter stole the. Uh, tears of a dying man. Yeah. So that he could, yeah. so he could um, read his secret thoughts. Yeah. In a in a face pool. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. Right. That's exactly what happens. And so what did what did uh, Harry Potter see when he put Severus Snape's tears into the face pool? Well, first before we get there, we have to acknowledge the fact that we had to watch Alan Rickman actually die. Mm. Hashtag too soon. So yeah, after that, Harry takes the sad tears because Voldemort kills Snape, thinking that it'll make the wand powerful. And these back and forths, by the way, are awful. They're shot really bad. They're on a pier somewhere, or, or I don't know where they are, but it's really well lit. And so these two Dark Lords of the Sith are talking to each other, but it's like in this room as we're talking, and it's framed exactly the same way. It it just it it's not a compelling sequence. And then the snake violently kills Snape. And then we have this really weird cutscene, video game cutscene, wherein we go into a, a puddle of tears and watch Snape's truths reveal themselves. And we find out a lot of shit about this guy. The most important piece of evidence or piece of exposition that we get out of this 
flashback scene is, uh, in addition to finding out about Snape's loyalties, mm-hmm. is finding out that, surprise, surprise, the reason Harry Potter has this uh, crazy mental connection with Voldemort is because Voldemort accidentally turned Harry Potter into one of his horcruxes. Mm-hmm. What does he know? There's a reason I can hear them. The Horcruxes. I think I've known for a while. And I think you have too. Irony of ironies. So, thankfully, we've got these three MacGuffins in the title of the film, The Deathly Hallows, Mm -hmm. uh, that are going to uh, arrange themselves in a manner to which Harry Potter can kill himself Mm -hmm. at the hands of Voldemort and then come back to, you know, be with his friends and have a family and not be the most depressing piece of child's literature of all time. (laughs) Of all time. Even though it's already quite clearly the darkest piece of child's literature of of all time. time. Like, he gets the resurrection stone just before, because he knows he has to go meet Voldemort. He's like, Harry Potter, I need you to go meet me in the Forbidden Forest. Even though it's called the Forbidden Forest and don't go in there, Harry. But he goes anyway. He has the uh, resurrection stone. He sticks it right up his bum. And then uh, he goes, here I am. Okay, I'm dead now. And then he actually dies. And he goes to heaven. He, I guess wizard heaven? Wizard heaven. Wizard heaven. And he has a conversation with Dumbledore who's like, hey, about that. And they have a nice little chat. Harry seems pretty congenial about all of it. And all the while they're talking, underneath their bench is this little uh, sentient chicken wing. This little buffalo chicken wing with Voldemort's head on it crying into the marble. Uh, you know, it reminded me a lot uh, when we watched Freddy vs. Jason and uh, Freddy ensnares Jason in his trap of waterfall mm-hmm. and Jason, baby Jason is laying there. Uh, it reminded me of that. Yeah. So it's basically the essence of a evil bit of Voldemort, uh, the evil bit of uh, Tom Riddle that's just been whittled down into uh, an aborted fetus yeah. with a big head. I, it's such a weird image, such a weird visual when to I have saw, in the movie. When I saw that for the first time in the theater, uh, that's when I was like, okay, I officially have no idea what the Harry Potter world is about because yeah. that doesn't seem like it should fit. Uh, yeah, is that supposed to be symbolic of something? Is it's, Voldemort yeah, it's, an abortion in the wizarding world? I don't. You mean get Voldemort? It. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's is that supposed to represent something? Why is he even there? <laughs> it's the piece of Voldemort that had to die with Harry. It's the that it's the Horcrux it's part the, of it's Harry. It's the Horcrux part yeah. of Harry. Yeah. That had to die. This is again, if someone knows more information about this from the books, this is me just gleaning using an education. That's a good guess. That's a better guess than I had, which was none. I was just like, oh chicken wing. All right. Maybe well I'm just hungry. Yeah, me too. So fast forward now, movie's almost over. Mm-hmm. Almost. Harry almost. lives anyway. He he died but he got better. Uh, Malfoy's mom insists that he's dead. Even though I think she knows he's alive for reasons, because later on the Malfoys fuck off and never come back while Voldemort's busy with Harry. Uh, Voldemort decides to drag his body back to Hogwarts, which we get the fun image of watching Hagrid get to carry his beloved, you know, surrogate son Harry back to Hogwarts, a dead corpse. Um, Voldemort has a nice brag in front of everybody. Harry Potter's dead. Oh, isn't this fun? Yeah, except Except he doesn't sound that congenial. He sounds a lot more like a human snake yeah he does and ray finds 
I am a man who doesn't have a nose, and I am part snake ghost. Now, here's the bit. And I look at my snake. His name is Nagiri, like sushi. Yeah. Uh, this is the part where we got to talk about refines for a second, because it's a cool image to have, you know, snake face, no nose, Voldemort running around in places. It, it does make for a creepy image. In Goblet of Fire, he was legitimately terrifying. Um, the more you see him, the, the less it, it, it's effective. And by the end of this movie where he's like laughing and just like frolicking and dancing around the the grounds of hogwarts i'm like you cease to be scary to me you're just a, you're a frightened old man terrified of the future oh okay. and there's our point i guess so a fight happens again uh between neville and voldemort they have a nice little chat nebbins long bottoms pulls out the sword of gryffindor because movie it had to happen we knew it was going to come back again it comes in the biggest moment of need which is why voldemort should have snagged it but whatever Whatever, because movie. And so uh, he's supposed to chop up the snake, but we can't do that right away because we have to have a build-up first. And so Harry rolls out of Hagrid's arms and goes, I'm better again, and lightsaber fight yep. for a second. And then Neville gets knocked out, and then a real shitty battle happens where, you know, vampires are sucking kids dry and, you know, people are dying with dry. And these are kids, by the way. Children. Children and their teachers and their teachers and they're all dying left and right now. If you want to talk about subtext here, this is where Harry Potter gets a little eerie. We're in a group of uh, black-clad militants storm a place of learning and then attempt to slaughter every single cherubic little angel and the uh, altruistic uh, helpers that would raise them to be functioning members of society. That's a creepy image to me. And, it, and I don't know if anyone else picked up on it. Because when I was watching the theater, everyone was getting like getting pumped because, like, get away from my adults, you bitch. You know, moments like that where, you know, lots of fan service, I guess, eclipses any chance you have to actually glean text from it. Anyway. You know, this movie gets me closer to uh, falling asleep than to considering the subtext. I see. Well, it amounts to Neville actually killing the snake. Harry then takes advantage of that and then really points his wand at Voldemort, which causes him to turn into a giant snowflake. Uh, he just, um, he has kind of like a less uh, glowing and violent end as the people who look into the Ark of the Covenant and Raiders mm -hmm. of the Lost Ark. He just kind of dries up. It's, it's pretty gross. And then uh, everyone gets better. Everyone's happy. Everyone nods at each other. And then Harry explains that the Elder Wand isn't exactly fickle, but he breaks it in half. Uh, and throws into the river because he's obviously never heard of Elmer's wood glue. Now, we could go down the final path of this movie, but it's really kind of pointless where Ari takes us down to Epilogue City where he's really old and the CGI is shitty. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Not bad, right? Not bad. I wrote that down. Uh, real quick, though, all the little kids that they had, why do they all look like assholes to me? Oh, I, because, do I just hate kids or is that something? Uh, well, you do hate kids, but also all of their little kids, you have to remember are born into wizardry. Mm -hmm. So imagine being a child and your parents have inherent magic and now they've bestowed that onto you. Mm -hmm. And you hear it with uh, Snape when in the flashback where he, the uh, Lily's sister is like, I'm going to tell mom and dad that you're a freak. And he's like, she's only mad because you're special and she's ordinary and so all these kids grow up thinking that they're special kind of like kids in general nowadays <laughs> nice. it, instead of 
mom and dad telling you you're special. It's like, hey, you're – no, seriously, like, watch. Put your hand out. You just made a flower happen. Yeah. You know? And so, like, these kids are snotty, privileged. They're going to a private school, and they can literally conjure uh, whatever they want. Whatever, whatever they, they, they want, want because they're all magic. I, okay, then I was right in hating these children. Yeah. All of them. I mean, I don't particularly find – Harry or Hermione or Ron, that likable. They're not. They're just they, they're just kids that happen to find themselves in this pickle. Yeah. I mean, Harry Potter could have had any two friends, literally any of them. And all the kids are in all the movies, so it could have been any one of those kids. Neville could have been one of the main characters. It's just the way the book is. Anyway, that's the movie. That's Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. And I can't believe that we managed to whittle that down to a half of the length <laughs> that we sat through. There's something to be said about franchise building. There's something to be said about world building, but they are not mutually exclusive. They are the cogs to a deterministic corporate machine, and Warner Brothers made their money. Good for them. And we're going to fall for it again. Come Friday when we watch the latest chapter in this uh, Wizarding World. Another movie title that is too long. Expecto Patronum! That's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much for joining us as we walk down the magic mile. What do you think of uh, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them? Let us know. Tell us all about it on Twitter. Look us up. I'm at Jared Jones underscore Birdie. Where can they find you? At Bird Money on all platforms. That's right. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us. We're on iTunes. Rate us, too. Let us know how we're doing. Love us. Hate us. We want to know. Anyway. We're going to wrap this up. We're going to go to the movies and see something that doesn't involve wizards for a damn change. But in the meantime, I remain Jared. That's Bird over there. And from the rest of us here at DoomRacket.com. Tell them how you looked him in the eye. A man who trusted you and killed him.